Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Okay, let's jump into the Word of God. And uh, all right, Josh has been helping me out, right? And uh, I'm doing okay on the sound, right? So far, so good. So we're going to be talking about uh, death to life. We're going to talk about grace today. In Ephesians, I'd like you to turn in your Bible, if you would, to Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. But um, if this message was a turkey, there's so much I want to stuff in this turkey. So um, you can't get it all in. So I'm going to, you, what you do is you put it in the introduction, okay? So as a, by way of introduction, I want, to, I want to ask you this morning if you would be willing to take your past and put it over here. Have it, tell it to sit behind you in the next row, <laughs> not just with your friend, but, you know, and we're going to leave the future for the future. Don't worry about all the things you've got to do to get yourself right. I'd like us to be in the present, okay? You know, Jesus is, in Revelations 1.8, Jesus said, or it's said of Jesus, the revelation of Christ, the book of Revelation, the revelation of Christ, the one who is the one who was and who is to come. Now, it says that several times in Revelation, and all but one start out with the one who is. God is present tense, okay? He's right here, right now. Don't, don't, don't live in your past and don't live in your future. You're not there yet. He's here right now, okay? So let's have that revelation of Jesus. He is the God who is. It, God wrote, you were born at the right place at the right time. Amen. At the right time in history, you were born. Amen. Amen. I'm glad Jesus didn't come back 200 years ago. How about you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't want him to come back tomorrow. I want my brother to meet him. Amen. You know, that's the reality of what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. I also want to talk to you about a little word called reconciliation. The book of Colossians 1, 19 through 20, you'll, you'll see that up on your screen. And uh, it, it says, For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I mean, just think about that a second. This little flannel board, Jesus, cut out Jesus. We have him in our mind sometimes is so two-dimensional, Right? But when it says the word made flesh, it was every word God ever thought, God ever breathed, God ever sang, God ever said, lived in him. The fullness of who God Almighty is lived in him. Wow. And let's go on, Josh. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Yeah, but you don't know about my things. No, I don't know. I think he's talking about your things. Yeah. Well, I, I, that word in the Greek, all, you know what it means? All. Yeah, yeah, you've heard that before, right? Doug has said that, okay. Yeah, it's true, though. Okay. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross, he, he, what, he would reconcile earthly things? Not all earthly things are bad. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein, everything on this God-given earth that we walk on. Man, think about it. He reconciled all those things. Trees, 
rivers, animals. You know, we often, because we're the object of God's redemption, the Scripture teaches that, we forget that the whole world fell when we fell. How much more will our redemption bring life to the world? It says that about the nation of Israel, right? And And we're in that. Okay? He reconciles all things to himself. And I want to focus on that word reconcile. <clears throat> this is the definition of reconcile. And if you have your phone, leave it alone. You can find it later, all right? It's a definition you can look up. It means to cause, to coexist in harmony, to make or show to be compatible. Did you know that you've been reconciled to God and that you are in harmony with him? It is not oil and water. You're not oil and water. Yeah, you know, God and I are like salt and pepper, oil and water. You know, someday I'd like to, I'd like to get to know him better. But, you know, the truth of the matter is you're not any more reconciled now than you ever be. You are forgiven now as much as you will ever be. You are redeemed now as much as you will ever be. Now, I, I'm not saying that to discourage you. Hang on, Okay. I am saying that he made perfect forever all those being made holy. Christ, in Christ, we are made perfect while at the same time he's working out his life in us. He knows we're dust. He knows we're weak. He knows that we fail. He knows that we're broken. Dear God, that's why he came. Amen. He came to free us from that. And to help us to live again. This is what it means when it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not a funeral prayer. It's a life prayer. It's a how God lives in this world prayer. That's how Jesus lived. He brought the kingdom. He's asking us to live that same way. Seeing his kingdom grow in our life day by day. And I just wanted to share, the, you know, Lynn felt she had a word for somebody about he's going to complete the work. I, I want to tag with that. I wrote it down in my notes during worship. Somebody here is so frustrated with their life and their inability, they think, to obey the Lord. They just want to give up. They just want to say, what's the use? I'm telling you, honey, do not give up. The best is yet to come. Stay with Jesus. Keep going with him. He is not done with you yet. He just started with you. You might be thinking, I'm so broken, how could God fix me? Oh, that's what he does best. Come on. We're all broken. My son used the illustration and message of a Japanese art form where they will take a pot and physically break it and then rebuild it using gold. And in its repaired state, it is more beautiful than in the original state. And that's you. Hey, do you think that God could have created this world without us ever having to experience death? Well, he did. And we got in the way, right? So we're going to talk about this story of redemption, how the, the broken became whole. And we're going to go to Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. 
We're going to be talking about from death to life. We're going to be talking about this principle of grace, and we're going to answer these questions. Who brought, who or what brought spiritual and physical death and suffering into the world? Who is affected by it? What spiritual forces are at work in the world? And what motivates God to act? Can we earn salvation? And does God have a purpose for me? Wow, that's a big, that's a big ask, isn't it? Let's go. God's Word's going to tell us about it. Can you, do something real quick? you can. Sorry. I've got to push this back more. Oops. Okay. Oh, I can't get it to do it. I can't get it to do it. Okay, so if we Is it like this. that? Yeah, it's just... Does this awesome. make my head look fat? I told you, I told you, dude, I told you, you're going to have a challenge with me in the sound. Okay, good enough. It's going to have to work. Thank you. Thank you. Not everybody's so blessed. Okay. Here we go. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I do love your haircut, though, Doug. It's getting more beautiful all the time. I just saying. Hey, I could take a trip to Hawaii with what I shave on, save on shampoo, so I, I don't know what you're waiting for. <laughs> Here we go. Lord, we just say thank you for the gift of your word, and thank you for being with us this morning in the beauty of worship. Wow. In the fellowship of your family, these blood-bought ones, these objects of your affection and redemption all gathered here together. We love you, Lord. Amen. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, and uh, I want to ask you this question, how dead is that dead? It is dead. It is dead, dead. It is frog squished on the side of the road, dead. It is lifeless. It is dried up. If you put it in the pond, it's not going to swim, right? You can kid can take it home in his pocket. It's not going to come alive. It is dead. We were dead. This means that we had no initiative to even reach out to him unless he breathed on us and said, let there be light. And suddenly our our radar comes on and we start seeking him, asking about him, wondering about him. The very gift that we can think about God is God. Okay, here we go. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, yeah, yeah, actual disobedience, actual defiance. Anybody had a three-year-old, two-year-old lately? It's a real deal. Sometimes we don't grow up. Sometimes we're 22 and 23 or 32 and 30 or 62 and 63. Yeah, it's a real deal. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And, you know, what does that mean exactly? Right? I mean, like, is the devil himself, Satan, like, sitting on our shoulder every single day? The prince of darkness himself? Well, he's a finite being. He can only be one place at one time. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once. 
He's God. The devil is a created being. He can only occupy one place at one time. That should encourage you. His demons have the same limitations, right? They're created beings. So what does this mean? What does this influence, this, the, the commanders of the powers in the unseen world? Is the devil real? Yeah, he is. Does the devil oppress us? Yes, he does. Do people ever have to be delivered? Yes, they do. Have you ever had to be delivered? Probably. I feel like I've had deliverance in my life at times from uh, the, the work of the enemy. And we don't want to, I don't want to get into all this, but I'm telling you, I think, I think it's more like dropping a r- large rock in a still pond. And the ripple effect of evil continues to reverberate throughout the world. That's kind of how I think this sense is here. Satan's involvement, though it is personal and though it is real, has an effect of sin across the whole world, and we lived under that rule. Actually, you are a slave to whom you obey, and that is a dark kingdom, and we can come under the influence of that kingdom. And Paul said, this is where you were. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But check this out. But God... Now, this is going to tell us a little about God. And remember those questions? I asked you those questions at the beginning. Who, what brought spiritual and physical death and suffering into the world? Well, we're getting there. Who is affected by it? All of us, right? What spiritual forces are at work in the world? We just read about that. But now we're going to answer the question, what motivates God to act? Would it be his anger, do you think? Because it just mentioned that we're, under the, that we're under God's wrath or under his anger like the rest of the world. But is that what motivates him to act? I am so fed up with those people. No, that is not what motivates him to act. Is it his frustration that they can never get it right? That does not motivate him to act. Is it's like he is so fed up, finally done, that that's what motivated him to act? No, none of that is what motivates God. That might be what motivates us. This is what motivates God. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. That is what motivates God. His mercy. You were an object of mercy. You used to be an object of wrath. Now you're an object of mercy. We're objects of his love. When we were fallen, now think about this. God is, it says that God was, we, what is it? I want to use the right phrase here. We were subject to God's anger, but while we were subject to that anger, his mercy, because mercy triumphs over judgment, it's true in God's character. It needs to be true in ours. Think about that. Our mercy meter should way be larger than our anger meter. That's, that's, that's what God's like. And his love motivated him to act, right? 
For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and his kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. Wow, think about that. So here is the anger of God and here comes the action of God, his mercy, his love. Um, I want to get back to the word reconciled because I think I was there when we did the mic, when we did the mic. <laughs> and I wanted to get back to a point on that. That's okay. Recently, I was with my son uh, or my grandson and earlier in the year, he had been with his parents to a faith and family game at Mariners Stadium, right? Woohoo! And, and they lost. But anyway... And it took him an hour and a half to get out of the parking garage. And now I'm, uh, Lynn and I were supposed to go to a, a faith and family thing. And, uh, and, uh, and she didn't feeling well. So she said, call Asher and ask him to go. So I called my grandson. You want to go? Yeah. So uh, he's 14. And then as we're going to the game, he said, you know, last time we went, Papa, uh, they lost. It was such a bummer. And, and, uh, and then it took us forever to get out of there. And I'm going, oh, Lord, please let this be a better experience, right? So anyway, we get to the Mariners Stadium. By the way, they won 15 to 2. They hit seven home runs, set the, set the team, uh, tied the team record, and hit a grand slam. Whoa, Right? It was awesome. And we got out of the parking garage in four minutes. Because I pulled in, I said, what's the fastest way out of here? She said, whatever you do, don't go on top because you're going to wait for everybody else. I'd park down here. So, you know, they were ahead so far that there's no use even watching the last inning because the other team has to score 13 runs. And so I said, Asher, let's go. And we got down there and we're on I-90 in four minutes. That was a great day. So while we're at the stadium, there's some people sharing the good news. They're carrying a sign and a bullhorn and saying, you are under the judgment of God. God is angry with the sins of the whole world. That your, your, your destiny is the fires of hell and all this stuff, right? And there were several people walking around sharing the good news about going to hell. I, I'm figuring somebody needs to tell us there are people already in hell. How do they get out of there? Why isn't there a sign that says, God so loved the world, he gave his son. He gave his son for you. God's looking for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus is looking for you. How about that sign? Because this is our story. Nobody came into this game clean. Nobody came pure. Nobody came whole. We're a team of misfits and miscreants and every other miss. <laughs> every one of us, every one of us. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. You know he was a murderer, right? He participated in the death of believers. He held the coat of the men who stoned Stephen. This is our team. Forgiven, blood washed, white as snow, made new by the blood of Jesus. 
so that as God sees us, it's as if we have never sinned. Hmm. So I want to get back to this word reconcile. This word reconcile is an amazing word. It's a, here's a couple definitions. It means to cause to coexist in harmony, to make or show to be compatible, to make one account consistent with another account. Now we're, we're moving in. So the idea of being compatible with God. I know I talked about a little bit about this already. This is the second service. God help me. Did I already talk about all this? Here, here's the second definition. It's an accounting term. It means to make one account consistent with the other, especially for transactions begun but not yet complete. That means that on the cross that God began a transaction and he's not done yet. You're wondering, you're wondering, God, is there more to come? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's more people that he's paid for. That transaction has not been complete. People you're praying for, God has got them in his account book. They belong to me. And that transaction is not completed, even though it's been paid for. Jesus paid for our sins, not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world, John says. Okay, where are we at? So God can point to us in future generations and ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for those who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believe. Now, I want you to hold that word grace. And you can't take credit for this. this it is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. That, that means that answers one of the other questions. We can't earn. We can't earn salvation. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God had things for you to do. Before he created the world, he thought of you. He thought of redeeming you. The Bible says that the Lamb of God has been slain since the foundation of the world. I, I want you to grasp that a second. Because I'm thinking, God, too bad you don't get a reboot, right? Did you know that when you created this mess, this was going to happen? Oh, yeah. Because the decision had already been made that the lamb would be slain before the world was ever created. Think about that. You are worth that. And it's worth it to God to point to his masterpiece and say, look at my loved ones. I don't understand how all that works but I'm so glad it did. <laughs> I'm so glad there wasn't a reboot. Amen? Aren't you glad? So God has planned a purpose for you right where you're at. You know, you may think that uh, what is God looking for? Worldwide ministry? Nah, not so much. Right? Because a lot of us are able to do that. We have jobs. We have families. We, our work does not allow us to do that. What is God looking for? Remember the day of judgment? 
when the, we're standing before the throne and people say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? In your name, didn't we cast out demons? In your name, didn't we do miracles? Hey, that's, that's where all the big meetings happen. You get a miracle meeting, man, you're going to fill the whole, the whole town's going to come to that. Well, why wouldn't they, right? I mean, that's a good thing. I, and by the way, I wish more miracles would happen. Okay, I'm up for that, <laughs> okay? And he says, I didn't know you. So what is God looking for? It's not our gifts that make us valuable to him. It's who you are. It's knowing you. That is what he's after. He's after knowing you. So no matter what he's called you to, where you're at, you are valuable and you have a purpose in God's kingdom. And all you have to do is be faithful where he's put you and you'll fulfill the will of God. Right? I remember, uh, I remember do you remember there was um, a couple of decades ago, gosh, was it? There was a terrible tsunami, earthquake and tsunami in Southeast Asia. 250,000 people lost their lives. Do you remember that? I remember as that was unfolding, we heard it, we started to hear about it because communications were wiped out. People started, I remember saying, there, there could be 16 people may have lost their lives. 16 people. And then they said, no, it's hundreds. No, it's thousands. No, it's tens of thousands. No, it's hundreds of thousands. So that by New Year's, I think that happened right before Christmas or maybe the day after Christmas, by New Year's Day, we were hearing about the, 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 what was happening and people were being summoned from all over the world. Rescue teams were flying in from all over the world by, by boat and by ship and by any way they could get to those areas to help those people. And I remember uh, I was New Year's Day and uh, we had family over and we were making breakfast for everybody and I needed to go to the store. Lynn said, hey, can you go get some orange juice? And it's seven in the morning, you know. I don't know, New Year's Day. We were up early, but everybody else is wiped out. They're not even up yet, you know, because they stayed up too late. The older you get, you can tell people, hey, glad you came over tonight. God bless you. Close the door when you leave and I just go to bed. That's what I do, right? Because anyway... And I remember I'm going to get orange juice and I'm listening to the news on the radio. You know what a radio is? How many of you have ever seen a radio? There's a radio on my car and I'm listening to the news and I'm at the stoplight. And let me tell you, there is nothing more lonely than being at a stop sign or a stoplight in Quincy at 7 o'clock on New Year's Day. <laughs> I look across the street, the parking lot, you know, there's nobody there. One car there. I'm thinking, are they even open, you know? So I drive into the parking lot and I'm the next person there. The other person's coming out. I'm going to the juice aisle looking for juice. But at that stop sign, I'm listening to this news report and I'm hearing about all these things. And I knew that there were some people in Grant County that were being called up. They were talking about that on the news, the local news. The teams were coming from central Washington. And I knew guys who were EMTs and, and uh emergency firemen and all that kind of stuff in our church. And I knew some of them were talking about maybe being called to go, you know, and I'm going, and I'm here, I'm here, and I'm nothing, I'm not doing anything, I'm not doing anything, I'm not making a difference. And I remember hitting this, you know, I'm in little Quincy, I'm, and here's this need across the world, and what am I doing? I'm doing nothing. I'm hitting the steering wheel and yelling at God. I don't know if I was yelling at him, but complaining to him, right? I am not making a difference here. I am not making a difference here. I am not making a difference here. You know, the, I was so 
I was so caught up in what was happening, you know. And I go into the grocery store at Aikens. There's the lady behind the counter waiting to check me out, you know. The one and only. I got looking for my juice. And that person that was walking to their car in the parking lot, as I'm looking for, do she want orange or guava orange? And there's big decisions we have to make sometimes in the crisis. I'm holding a frozen juice can, and she said, Jess. And I look up, and it's this lady. I had done a funeral for her, and I had done a wedding for her daughter. She's not in my church. She was my neighbor many years before. I was the only pastor she knew. That's how all that happened. She goes, Jess, I saw you come in here, and I just had to come in and tell you you are making a difference. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year. <laughs> what a coincidence. Uh, you know, I, God said, you're right where I'm, I want you to be. Quit complaining. I've given you this life to live for me right where you're at. This is your assignment this is why you're here. And I want to tell every one of you, wherever you're at, there you are. That sounds so, yeah, I know. But it's true. That yeah, was a mystic thing that just came out, just leaked out. Just I don't know what happened. <laughs> wow, what did the pastor say to you? Wherever I am at, there I am. Hey, what church do you go to, right? <laughs> but it's true. See, if you're a parent, your child only has one mother or father. And God has created you to shape their destiny. You have a high calling from God. You may be the only Jesus your workplace will ever see. You're the only friend that may be able to reflect Jesus to some of your friends. Listen, wherever you're at, God has a purpose for you, right? So God planned this from long ago. What time we got? 1225. Seahawks start at 125. <laughs> 59 minutes. Let's go. Okay, this is the gospel. You see what Paul's done here? He's written the gospel for us. What a beautiful story. People who were dead, now they're actually objects of God's affection, his forgiveness, and he's created them with a purpose. Wow, that is a redemption. That is amazing, right? Another way it says it is John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You know that scripture right? That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Hebrews 2 says it this way, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Think about it. It's a good thing to be a human being. Jesus became a human being. That's a mind blower. That by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, 
and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. I want to say something to somebody today. That thing, a hold of you, that you think can never be broken, that is a lie in Jesus' name. You believe that because somebody told that to you or your own flesh blamed you for it. But Jesus came to set you free. He broke that thing. He came to set you free. This is what this is about. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Wow, everything. You know what this is called? This is called the gospel. This is what we believe. This is the foundation of our faith. Isn't what God has done beautiful? Oh, you know, you might be saying, well, I have so many imperfections. I just, oh, God's working on you. You got your whole life, man. Let him work in your life. This is what Christianity is about. It's about his kingdom coming, his will being done on our earth as it is in heaven. We kind of say that prayer, you know, and uh, we think it's for someday, somebody else, someday, some in the future, someday God's kingdom will come on earth. Won't it be a glorious day? Well, the earth he's talking about is your earth, your earth in here. That's why you pray it, not the president. Be nice if it would, but you know what I'm saying. Your, your kingdom come, your will be done on my earth. Every day I walk, God, let your kingdom come in my life. Your kingdom and your will be done in my life. Amen. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. May your government and kingdom come in my life and extend your peace in my heart. Our marriages are crying out for that. We don't need, a, there's a lot of things we don't need. What we do need is more of God's government. Amen. And his peace in our life. We're going to close with this. So we answered all these big life questions, right? Does God have a purpose for me was the last one. I want, I want to talk to you about this word grace. It's in that Ephesians passage, grace is used three times. It is the word charis. And it's, if you see it in the Greek, it's, it starts with an X. But anyway, it's the word charis. It means gift or a blessing brought to man by Jesus Christ. It means favor. It means gratitude. It means kindness. It means disposed to, inclined, favorable towards, leaning towards, to share a benefit. It is like the word in the Old Testament, kana. So charis and kana have the same, they have the same meaning. Both refer to God freely extending himself and his favor. Reaching inclining to people because he is disposed to bless them and be near them, to give himself away to people because he is always leaning toward them. Can, can I share this with you about God's love and mercy? And you know why God saved you? He can't help himself. He's leaning toward you. He wants to bless you. It's like when you pray in the morning, he's attentive to you. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, 
you know, our wives love this, you know, when they're, they're talking to us across the dinner table and we're checking the Seahawks score. What? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard you. Yeah, I heard you said, yeah, yeah. God's not like that. When we sit and talk with him, he's like, what? Really? Let me help you with that. All right, this is God's heart toward us. So have you noticed that grace is not a fruit of the Spirit? Grace is the fruit salad of the Spirit. Everything is in grace. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith. Come on. All of it is in there. It's easy for us, you know. It's easy for us when we talk about that grace. It's difficult for us sometimes as people to give it to each other. What we'll do oftentimes is boycott our relationships. People that we should love the most and so generously forgive the most, it often becomes the hardest for us. What is up with that? Why is it that we hold affection, withhold affection when it should be the very thing we give? Why is it that we withhold forgiveness when it be, should be the first thing we do? right? We need, to, we need to learn to lean into each other and lean into our relationships, right? I mean, that's what God did with us. Amen? And in the church, family, that's what we got to do with each other. We got to lean in, right? I remember one time there was a little boy. We got a man in our church named Richard Westry. He's six feet something. All of his boys are six feet something. We could have a whole basketball NBA league in our church just from that family, I'm telling you. And this little boy runs by, and this boy was a terror, okay? He's a terror, and he's always in trouble. You know that boy? Are you that boy? Okay, he's always in trouble. And Richard caught him and grabbed him. You know what he said to him? He said, you're a good boy. You're a good boy. Something about that giant man telling that wild little boy that he was good. Now, that is not New Age psychology. He's calling something in Jesus out in this boy. Amen? I think we need to do that with each other.